Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Redemption was in the air for Chandler Cananzaro. The Bucks place kicker missed a 40-yard field goal that would have won the game in regulation, but he comes back. Gets the opportunity and nails a 59-yard field goal in overtime as the Bucs beat the Cleveland Browns 26-23 in what was a sloppily played game, but one that the Bucs absolutely had to win. They snap a three-game losing streak, and they go to 3-3 three and three on the season. I got Tom Jones and me will discuss this game and break it down for you on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Before we get started on this podcast, I want to tell you about my good friends and a special offer at Continental Wholesale Diamonds. For our listeners only, Andy is offering for a limited time 20% off all jewelry prices. That's right. So whether you seek a statement piece like a gorgeous diamond necklace or maybe you're on a quest for finding that perfect engagement ring, Andy is going to give you his undivided attention and he's got the best deal going as well. Come to Continental Wholesale Diamonds today and score big with 20% off on all your jewelry purchases. Continental Wholesale Diamonds is where I shop. They're at 1715 Northwest Shore Boulevard, Suite 150, right next to the Penthouse Club. Tom Jones joins us now. Tom, we're sitting uh, outside of, uh, well, actually inside of Raymond James Stadium, where that was one of the more bizarre <laughs> football games, and anguishingly so. It wasn't well played in, in, in so many ways by, by either team. I guess that's sort of what you should expect from the Bucks and the Browns, the way things have gone over the last few years. But, man, did the Bucks get away with something. It just feels like they, they had to win. They tried to give this game away a million ways, and yet maybe what was going to be one of the biggest goats of the day, Chandler Cananzaro, who had missed a 40-yard field goal at the end of regulation, improbably hits it from 59 and ends the game. It, it's certainly one of the more bizarre games I've ever seen, Rick. And I, First off, let me start here. And I, and I know people are going to say, oh, there he is, like not giving the Bucks credit. The, the, the idea that this resurgence of the, Buff, of the Cleveland Browns is greatly exaggerated. They're still not a good football team. They're getting there someday. Baker Mayfield someday may be a good football player. But they did about everything they could do to give this game to the Bucks, And the Bucks did about what <laughs> they could do to give it back. And if you'd have told me that I, – I was surprised that Captain Zara was still on the team come overtime after <laughs> missing another extra point and a field goal at the end of regulation. But, Rick, he, he made the big kick when he needed it. And ultimately – Look, they won the football game, and I guess if you're Dirk Cutter and you're the Bucks, that's all that really matters. You won a football game, and you're now three and three. They won a game. They lost Quan Alexander to what looks like a torn ACL. We can talk about that in, in a minute. So that's that's going to be difficult. There were so many people in this game and the team in general. That, that so much was riding on what Catanzaro did, uh, you know, and, and didn't do tonight. Um, but I think I think the biggest one was maybe Dirk Cutter. I mean, you know, they're sitting here and very, very possibly, you know, had they lost that game, they would have been two and four going to Cincinnati and then to Carolina. 
I mean, I don't think you can get where you want to go without beating the Browns and being 3-3 three and three at home because to lose four in a row in this league, Tom, that really generally knocks you out of anything you want to try to do as far as the postseason goes. You lose this game, Rick. You slept the two and four. You've now lost four in a row. But what losing this game, what it says is that you just lost to a Cleveland team that has won. Still, this is still a Cleveland team. Let's not forget, they've won three games in three seasons. Right. They went. They won one game two years ago. They won zero games last year. They've won two this season. And have a rookie quarterback. And a rookie quarterback. And they haven't won a road game since since October. Now twenty four. Thousand fifteen. Twenty four in a row. It's it's not that like it's okay. You're two and four. You can, can you can come back from two and four. But it's it's like we were saying in the lead up to this game. What does it say if you can't win this game? And I don't think Dirk Cutter gets fired if they lose this game. No. I don't think he. I think he stays till the end of the year no matter what. But I agree. You put it perfectly just now, Rick. You can't get to where you want to go and have a loss to Cleveland on your schedule. I just don't – you weren't going to do that. And even as it stands now, Rick, I'm not so optimistic about what the rest of the season holds. But at the end of the day, again, you're 3-3, three and three, which is only a game behind, what, Carolina and a, and a couple of games behind a very lucky Saints team. We could talk about that too. But it was a uh, – you know, it, at the end of the day, they win a football game that – they probably didn't deserve to win, yet the other team didn't deserve to win. And because of it, they're 3-3. Three and three. You know, they got off to um, uh, obviously a bad start. I mean, first of all, Colquitt, the punter for the Browns, was terrific today. He's probably the best player on the field. But, you know, he pins them back pretty early. And they get, they get a safety. They get tackled in the end zone after the f- two runs. The first run was nearly resulted in a safety. The second one did. So it's like here we couldn't. Yeah. We didn't give you a safety out of first one. Let's try it again. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. This will do it. So they're down two to nothing. But they rally back, and they probably should have had more points. But they're up sixteen to two at half. Tom, we went into the week with a fired defensive coordinator, Mike Smith. Um, Mark Duffner took over on Wednesday for all intents and purposes the first practice. And that was the best first half of defense we've seen all season. Granted, you know, against a limited sort of Cleveland offense, but nonetheless, um, they they sacked the quarterback five times today mm-hmm. or on Sunday. Um, you know, it, it was, uh, you know. It, it was, Every time you looked up, Cleveland was third and long. They yeah. were third and eight, third and ten, third and 17. And they didn't convert any of them. And they didn't convert any. In fact, they didn't even come close to converting any yeah. of them. And if you now at halftime, I was thinking, Rick, that okay, it's sixteen to two. Cleveland's not a very good football team, but the Bucks are doing to a, a bad team what they should do to a bad team. They're shutting them down. And I never felt at halftime that this game was going to ever be close in the second half. Even Rick into the third quarter, right? When the Bucks scored, Cleveland came down, scored early in the second half, and then the Bucks came down and scored. And I even wrote at the end of the third quarter. Because the Bucks scored a touchdown right near the end of the third quarter, like whatever, 30 seconds after whatever. Yeah. And it gave them a more than two-score lead. And I said, this game's over. There's no way. There was nothing that Cleveland had shown, and the Bucks defense was playing well enough yeah. that made you think that Cleveland was going to get back into the score. It's 23-9. It's 23-9. Yeah. Against, against a Browns team that hasn't won in, in three years uh, on the road, it seems. Yeah, that, that game should have been over. But, oh, no, no, <laughs> the Bucks have their own way of uh, letting teams back into the game. I, I know they made plays on offense. I blame the Bucks offense for not having the ball and then, and then turning it over. Look, we're going to do a whole long thing here on Jameis Winston, but let's start yeah. with the fact that 
for all the goodwill he might have built up in his in his start last week in Atlanta, and he did he did in fact lose the game in part because he had a red zone interception. I think a lot of that was a race today uh, on Sunday because Jameis Winston proved exactly who he is again, and that is a guy who at times can look really good, but when you really now, now, granted, let's let's remember he took him down and they had a forty-yard field goal to win the game. He made a nice job of putting Catanzaro, but we're not even talking about overtime. But in the overtime, he threw a ball right to uh, Collins, you know, with the Browns, the linebacker, just an egregious mistake trying to force a ball that had no chance of being completed. That should have ended the game, but the Cleveland Browns wound up punting the ball instead. And and then when the Bucks are already in field goal range, inexplicably holds the ball for like seven or eight seconds and takes a twelve yard sack. Yeah. Which is then followed by another sack. Uh and then he makes a play to Deshaun Jackson that gets them the fourteen yards back and gives Cannonzaro just enough distance to where he can still take a swipe at it. But I'm telling you, man, we've seen this now. This is you know, I know it's his only his second start this year. It's his fourth season, Tom, and this is just the way he plays. Well, it is the way he plays, and the thing that gets frustrating if you're a Bucks fan is that after the game, you ask him again, hey, a lot of good, a lot of bad. What did you – oh, i got to get better. i got to take, take care of the football. Really? He when? says it every week. I know. And then he goes out every week. And look, Rick, there were plays that he made that Ryan Fitzpatrick's not going to make. No. There were plays that he made that a lot of quarterbacks are going to make. He was using his legs. He was the team's leading rusher yeah. on Sunday. Yeah. And he goes out and he makes plays and he makes first downs and he may, and he gets them in the in the field goal position, gets them, scores touchdown. He had a nice touchdown run. Took off, showed his guts. There were a couple of big runs he had today that either picked up on third, third down. downs yeah. or, or scored touchdowns. Yeah. And you look at him and say, okay, you probably don't have you don't give yourself a chance to even win this game without Jameis. But then it's not as dicey as it turns out to be without him making stupid stupid throws, stupid decisions. And again, Rick, it goes back to, is this who he is? Is he a guy who's always going to do these things, or is he eventually going to get better at it? And until he does get better at it, you just have to assume that this is who he is. One other thing he can't do, he cannot throw the ball to Deshaun Jackson. No. The last pass notwithstanding, which was a huge play, because sure. they needed all 14 of those yards to give Catanzaro a chance. But Jackson, you know, on sun, on Sunday was targeted just five times. First of all, big mistake by the offensive coordinator if you can't get him uh, five, more than five uh, balls attempted out of 52 passes. I mean, right. this is your, your playmaker. And he catches just two for 25, including the last one for 14. So up until that final pass, the guy basically had, what, one catch for 11 yards. Yes, How do you end up in overtime with one catch for 11 yards? And I had an end around for a touchdown. They did get him a rushing touchdown early in the game. But aside from that, as a receiver, as predicted, he's disappeared from the Bucs offense. Adam Humphreys is back. Deshaun (laughs) Jackson is not a factor. Yeah, Adam Humphreys targeted eight times, caught four passes. Godwin caught five passes. O.G. Howard caught five passes. Mike Evans caught seven passes. They targeted him 11 times. Uh, But you're right, Deshaun Jackson, I mean, he was, you know, you know, like you said, targeted five times. He had one, Rick, where he was open down the sidelines on a deep ball. And yeah, I know missed him again. This has become a, a sort of a broken record. And sometimes you want to give Jameis the benefit of the doubt. It's not always just 
dropping back and throwing like you're playing seven on seven. I mean, there is a pass rush, and there. I didn't think protection was great tonight. No, but at the same time, that's a throw that you know, quite frankly, he's got to make, and he didn't make it, and 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 it just sort of feeds into this narrative that he can't he can't play with Deshaun Jackson. That I'd like to think that they can still work this out somehow, Rick, and if they can, um, then they have a heck of an offense. But until he does. Again, until he starts proving he can do these things, we have to assume he can't do these things. Right. I mean, it, it's just – it's frustrating, I know, to, to, to probably coach him, although, you know, Dirk Cutter sees a lot of the good things he does. What we don't see is him getting him out, in and out of bad plays, um, you know, making the right reads most of the time. But there's just that thing that, that continues to put them – sort of on track to, to lose every game. I mean, there, there hasn't I, – I can't remember the last time the Bucks, you know, like like today or uh, Sunday, like up 20-whatever to nine, that game's got to be put away. Yeah. And they do whatever it takes to let bad teams hang around. I don't know who the Bucks are, Tom. I don't think they're a very good football team anymore. I mean, uh, could they improve? I suppose there's a lot of football left. Um but they can't put together four quarters, and that's what Dirk Cutter said after the game. He said, you know, if we ever do that, if we ever play well on offense and well on defense for four quarters, we'll be hard to beat. Well, who isn't? Right. You know what I mean? That's sort of been their problem is that they don't, they don't have that continuity. Now, maybe the fact that this was just the first game under Mark Duffner. It was interesting. I talked to Levante David after the game. And what did Duffner really do? You know, yeah, yeah. First of all, what could he do? I mean, he's got – three days to prepare for, you know, a Cleveland Browns team. But he said, you know what? He goes, we simplified some coverage. Like, you know, you got to remember, they're playing with three rookies out there on uh, on defense, four if they go to nickel with MJ Stewart. And, you know, it's, it's hard for these guys to kind of figure out what they're doing. What we didn't see today were guys running wide open. No. You know, we didn't see any of them just release players down the field. That's what they had been doing. So I take that as progress. And then to be playing without Gerald McCoy or Vinnie Curry mm-hmm. and have your best day sacking the quarterback. Jason Pierre-Paul starts it off again. He's got yes. six now. Watch out. He might get double digits. <laughs> I, I'm telling you right. Simeon Rice is, is going to have to put the champagne away because I know he pops those corks every year since 2005. With the old Dolphins. Yeah, right. Yeah. Every time a player fails to get ten sacks on the Bucks, that's what Simeon does since he was the last guy. Um, but... You know, Carl Nassib had a couple of yeah, uh, that, sacks. That, that yeah. part's impressive, but, I mean, they've got issues now. And now you lose your Mike linebacker. And the sad thing about Quan Alexander, who went out 18 seconds to go in the first half. He almost got out of the first half unscathed. He's rushing the quarterback, and he sort of tries to change directions a little bit, and the knee just buckles. I mean, you could tell. He went to the ground right away, grabbed it, and it turns out that uh, he'll have MRI tests this morning sometime but it's they you know everyone has pretty much confirmed it's an ACL injury and you can that's a fairly simple test you can tell if the knee is stable or not um, and that's a shame on so many levels not the least of which is they're going to miss their Mike linebacker they don't have a guy you know they put Jack Sishi in there and he got hurt he got hurt yeah. and Sishi could be a guy who's had ACL surgery I don't know if he aggravated it if it's the same knee um, so he's out so Darius Taylor moved over from strong side to Mike linebacker they need Kendall Beckwith, who hasn't been cleared to practice just yet, but is eligible to go out there to hopefully get healthy and give them somebody who can play Mike Linebacker. But they're getting thinner on defense, and that's that's going the wrong direction. The sad thing about 
uh, you know, about Quan is this. He's in a contract renegotiation. Yeah. An extension is what he wants to do. It's what the Bucks wanted to do. He hires Drew Rosenhaus. Mm-hmm. Drew's done a million of these deals. But I think that they wanted sort of a, a deal that put him in the elite Luke Keekley type company as far as salary goes. Well, this is why you take the money. Yes. I mean, because now he will become a free agent, okay? Mm-hmm. Who knows what the Bucks were going to do or want to do? But I'll say this. It's hard to get a long-term contract with any NFL team if you're still recovering from ACL surgery. Absolutely. Which is where he'll be next March. And, I, and look, here's the thing with Kawan. I think he's sort of had an, an up-and-down year. Very I don't, much I don't so. think he's been great at times. No. But, he had, but here's the deal. He's better. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Anybody they got else yeah. in that position. And he had his best half of football today he had his best half of football and we'll see if the mark you know, if he would have been you know we won't know now but we would have seen what would happen with mark dufter right. as defensive coordinator and the other thing rick and i think this is something we, we need to remember i know it's a different situation different circumstances remember two years ago when he was a rookie i guess it was two years ago right they were six yeah. and six and he got suspended for the last four games of right. the year, and they end up going downhill defensively. Now, I don't know it was all because Quan Alexander wasn't there. No, but that's a big piece. I mean, he's your quarterback of your defense. And, again, I don't know. You know, he makes the calls. I don't know if that now will fall to Levante David, which affects his job. Um, they have other linebackers. You know, they got Devontae Bond back. Uh, you know, they got, they got some guys, but, but they're just dudes. I mean, you know, this guy has led them in tackles or been close to the lead in tackles every year that he's been here. Um, he plays with a lot of effort. This was his best half. I think they're going to miss him. I, I mean, I don't know how long-term Gerald McCoy's injury is. Some promising things I thought, uh, you know, today from Vita Vea, who played a lot, yeah. um, stuffed the run quite a bit. Like you said, they were really good on third down. Um, you know, it, it, uh, it's, it's going to be a test for him. And, and yet, man, I, I mean, the chance of – if they had lost – to the Cleveland Browns. Oh my gosh. I mean, the way they would have lost, missing a 40-yard field goal. And what do you do now with, with Cannon's arrow? Tell me this is not a thing. It's a thing in the NFL, right? I mean, we saw, we saw the Baltimore Ravens yeah. miss an extra point to tie the game at the First end of the game. First extra point he's ever missed in his life. In his life. Yeah, 222 for And the Saints escape. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a thing around the league. But in this city... It is, it is literally the curse of Matt Bryant. Sure it is. Who blew out his hamstring making a kick to beat him last week and may never kick again. I don't know how you don't bring people in this week, Rick, and take a look at it. Now, look, Dirk Cutter after the game obviously is a big supporter of Kenan Zero, and he was saying that you don't see this guy in practice every day. I see him in practice. That's true. I don't watch every kick he takes in practice. Right, right. I do watch every kick he takes in a <laughs> yeah. game. And he's missed three extra points he this has. year. He has. And, and uh, he missed a two field, two field goals. Two, you know, that... The, the one today, again, that's a 40-yarder. That should be automatic in the National Football League on a day like today. There were people saying that Cutter, with 45 seconds left in timeouts, should have tried to go f- closer or right. score. Right, And Touchdown. I say, I agree with Dirk on this one. 
if you're a National Football League kicker and from 40 yards away, we're not we ex, we don't expect you to make that. If we have to, then you shouldn't be on the team. Right. That's I right. I mean, your only job is to do exactly what they put you in position to do. I know it's a lot of pressure. I know they they run out there and all eyes are on them. It's a different type of it's just that's why they call them specialists. And Catanzaro was was in tears by the way, right. talking about when he, you know, after the game Guys coming up to him, and he and he just felt like God. He felt so horrible that they'd played their butts off all all day, put him in that position, and he misses. He's got one thing to do, um, but I mean, this kicking thing. The games are so close in the NFL, and, and it's not like like you said. I mean, everybody is missing them here and there, but I just think it's something about Tampa Bay. The wind was a factor. You know, I talked to Brian Anger. He goes, you know, it was really hard because you had to trust. The wind was blowing east to west as they were headed to the south end zone. And he said, you had to start the ball. Think about this. Mm-hmm. You had to start the ball outside the right upright. Wow. And trust that that ball is going to blow back through. That you had to, just like a golfer. It's like hitting a golf Like you ball, have yeah. to have enough confidence. You've got to aim for the lake. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. Yeah, you have to have enough confidence that what you did in practice and what you what you know is happening with the wind, even though it's different at the top of the goalpost than at the bottom, is actually going to happen. I wonder, do they, they, do they come to Raymond James to practice? Yes, they do. Yeah, it's a great question. They yeah. actually do. And, and I've always said this. People go, well, who can't kick in Tampa? It's not easy. Yeah. The winds down here blow almost all the time, summer and winter. It doesn't really matter what season it is. You know, you're going to get some crosswinds mostly, Instead of balls that are pushed, you know, behind you, north and south, we don't get a lot of cold fronts here. Right. You'll get some sea breeze. You'll get some east winds, like, you know, the flags are right now as we sit here on Sunday night. But you I know mean, what's funny? Like we're we're sitting at Raymond James right now, recording this, and I'm looking to like above the pirate ship, and the wind's really whipping. Like yeah. you can see that flag up there. Stiff. And then you look at the goalpost down here to our right, barely moving. Right. Barely moving at all. Right. But you know, got to know there's got to be some sort of. Throw it on there. I look. I, I agree with Dirk too. As far as the end of regulation, there, there are so many things that could. You should trust your kicker to make a forty-yarder. Yeah. What if you fumble? What if you what fumble? If you throw a pick? What if you get called for a hold? Yeah. You know what? A, a yeah. Pick. Uh, a sack. We saw a sack take him out of field. We, we would crucify him. That's right. So why aren't you just running the ball and letting your guy kick a forty-yarder? So yeah. I didn't have a problem with that. But it's. Uh, but I think Rick. I think they have to consider bringing some guys in this week just to take a look. Maybe not. Maybe not the, for next Sunday, but if this continues, you, you, have to, you have to think about Let it. Let me ask you this question. Two number one overall picks, both quarterbacks. One is 24. The other one's probably, what, about 22 or 23, I would yeah. imagine. Um, but obviously Mayfield, Baker Mayfield's in his first year. I was really impressed with Baker Mayfield. Which, which quarterback, I mean, could you really tell a difference? Other than the fact that I think the, the Browns just don't have a lot around Baker. Right. They got... You know, they got one receiver, you know, essentially um, around him, which is uh, Jarvis Landry. Right. And he, he caught, caught 10 <laughs> balls. That's 15. 15 targets. targets. So he threw the ball 34 times. Yeah, almost so, half his targets. Yeah, and I mean, he only averaged 9-7, but I mean, he's really all they got. Um, the running game, I like Nick Chubb a lot. He ran pretty well. Um, they, they traded Carlos Hyde, you know, who's in Jacksonville now. I think that's actually going to help them because I think Chubb is going to get some rhythm in the majority of the carries. But Baker Mayfield, man, he gets the ball out of his hands, and he's accurate. He can run around a little bit. Here's, he can move and extend plays. Here's what I'll say. You asked me, okay, you're, we're comparing these two guys. Yeah. One's playing his 
uh, in his fourth season, and the other guy's playing in his uh, his fourth game. And one basically. one guy didn't start the right. season as the starter. Exactly, Tyrod Taylor did. It, that's right. So if you're just showing me um, their com- their completions, if you just took a, if you just showed me a game film, yeah. Okay, here are the completions of these guys. Yeah. I would say, boy, I like the Tampa Bay guy, but here's the problem. It. Start showing me the incompletions and the turnovers. The turnovers yeah. are what ultimately come back. Baker Mayfield, look at his numbers. Who would you rather have? A guy that was 23 of 34 for 215. Think about that. 23 of 34 for 215. Yeah, that's not a big guy, average. 32 for 52 for 365. Yeah. Jameis Winston threw for 365. Rick, he throws for 300 yards every week now. Yeah. It's a regular thing. Yeah. He throws, and, and, and his, his completion percentage... Is usually pretty good. It's up to 65, 70% most weeks. Yeah. And then, but here's the number that kills you every week one interception, two interceptions. Today he had two. He fumbled the ball. I don't know you blame him for the fumble. Yeah, I do. But it's, you know, he's part of it, certainly. Yeah. And that that's the thing. Like Baker Mayfield had zero turnovers on Sunday. Yeah. So that, that's what it ultimately comes down to. Rick, I, I want to like Winston. I want to like him as a football player. But you just get to the point where. And like like I said, the throw in overtime, you mentioned it. It wasn't like he's throwing a ball forty yards downfield or thirty yards, you know, twenty five yards. No. That throw was a that was an eight, 15, eight, eight yeah. yeah ten yards downfield. And he threw it right to the guy. Yeah. The sacks, you can't take those sacks in those situations. Again, it's a, a decision making thing with him, and it's got to get better. I liked. If you're asking me which quarterback would I rather have, I my gut instinct tells me that Jameis is still the better quarterback. Sure. But. He kind of, you, you need to stop these turnovers. They're kid, they'll kill you. They'll wipe out every good thing you've done. Everybody says, well, he throws you know, most of the game. I, I've been 31 passes, 28 of them are good. Yeah, but those other three will kill you. Do you wonder in, a, in an honest moment what Dirk Cutter, who was not a Jameis Winston fan, but obviously raves about him now that he ha- has had him ever since he was an offensive coordinator, you wonder, you wonder what it's like to coach that guy. I mean, he's from what I understand, I mean, he's – you know, he works really hard at his craft. The one thing that's shown up, even though he had the one fumble because he was hit from behind, he was throwing the ball, mm-hmm. and they ruled it a fumble, is that he's protecting the ball better when he's in traffic. He's got two hands on the football. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's not getting stripped and, and things like that, not being reckless in traffic, so that part's better. Um, but you wonder what it, what it must be like to go home and think, man, if Jameis just doesn't turn the ball <laughs> over. You know what I mean? Because I bet we could find... 10, 11 wins, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, just just taking away one throw. Now, that's probably true of a lot of quarterbacks. Sure. Because that's the thing. If you're Aaron Rodgers, and, and like that game last week, he's got Atlanta, right? He throws for 400 yards practically, four touchdowns and two picks. One ball got batted up in the air. Right. If you're Aaron Rodgers, somehow you get away with that, and everyone's saying, what a game by Aaron Rodgers. Sure. 400 right. yards and four, four TDs, Right. But if you're Jameis Winston, the team's not good enough to overcome your mistakes. And maybe that's where, where they're at right now, is that they're sort of offensive heavy. Um, they're not real deep. They've got injuries. They've really been attacked on the defensive line and in the secondary. I don't know. They're going to move on now to, uh, to play at Cincinnati. That's an explosive offense. That's probably going to be more of a shootout. They also can play pretty good defense. Um, they need to get on a run here, and, and the schedule's not helping them because they hadn't been home in a month. Yeah, and now they're going away for two more games. Yeah, it's a weird. It's been a weird schedule, and the thing with 
Jameis as far as the interceptions goes. Rick, I don't think it's a situation where he's just super careless, where I'm just going to throw it in there and see what nope. happens. I don't think it's that. And I also don't think it's that he, he doesn't work hard, he doesn't study, or he's not recognizing coverage. He thinks he can make every throw. He thinks he can make every throw. That's and makes a lot of them. Right, and, it's, and he does. And, it, and that's what I'm saying. Sometimes, you know, are you willing to give up a little bit of the, yeah. of the, the good yeah. in order not to turn a football over? And I, I say, yes, you have to. Like, yeah. my, I would, if I'm Dirk, I go to him and say, you almost have to be less arrogant. Like, he's almost a little arrogant in thinking that I could make every play. Yeah. And I'm sure he's stunned every time he throws an interception. You're like, yeah. how did that happen? Although he's done a better job, I think, of taking what defenses are giving him. I've seen him this year done a lot better, you know, when teams play off of just taking the underneath stuff not trying to force the ball as much downfield. He will do that when he's outside the pocket at times, and you can get a little nervous if you're... It's funny, like, I was cutter. watching, like, now, Aaron Rodgers is a different animal. That guy, sure. he's, an, he's an amazing quarterback in terms of uh, just where he could throw the ball down the field. But what, I was listening to somebody the other day, it might have been Dan Patrick's show, and they were talking about who are, the, who are the most exciting players in football right now. And on their poll, they were like, is it Patrick Mahomes? Is it Aaron Rodgers? Is it... Nick yes, Dan? yes. And, yeah. And somebody mentioned Tom Brady. So we'll put Tom Brady on the list. And, so, and Dan Patrick said, I don't think Tom Brady's that exciting of a football player. He, he, everything he throws, you know, he's just – he he's, he's a winner. It's Chris Carter. All he does is all score touchdowns. All he does is win, all he does is win <laughs> Super Bowls. All he does is be the greatest quarterback ever. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Like, like he's not Brady's dynamic. Not, he's not, like, so you can, win the, you can win football games without, you know, being Aaron Rodgers. You know, no. That's what I'm saying. Well, you look at this guy. team, you look at um, – now, look, on the same thing, I'll say this. Jameis threw a couple of balls that should have been caught. Yeah, he did. O.J. Howard, Howard dropped, dropped a big pass on third down. First down, that yeah. would have been a first down catch. Um, Mike Evans had a chance on a ball yeah. in the end zone that I thought could have been caught. Um, so it's not all Jameis all the time. But if you could just cut down these these turnovers, because teams are going to score some points against. I, starting next week, Cincinnati, they'll put up points against the Bucks. I understand you have to try to keep up with those teams, but at the same time, don't give away your possessions. You only get 11 or 12 of them. It's worse than a punt when you have to, when you when you throw an interception. The Bucks got a little unlucky today uh, on Sunday too, as we see here, because not only we mentioned the New Orleans game where they missed an extra point that would have tied the game at the end of the game and gone, I guess, presumably into overtime. Yeah. Um, but also Carolina was down at least 10 points or more to the Philadelphia Eagles and rallied and won. They scored 21 in the fourth quarter yeah. to win that game. So, I mean, here we are again. You know, you're, you're kind of in it. You're 3-3 three and three if you're the Bucks, But the Saints and Carolina now starting to separate a little bit. I know you get both those teams at home. You've beaten the Saints on the road. So everything is still technically in front of you. But you certainly can't afford to fall too far behind these guys because they look like they're still – Playoff teams in the NFC, yeah. not just not just teams that could win this division. The thing, Rick, that was a little bit disturbing about Sunday's game and things they're going to have to improve on as they move forward. They had a lead, and yet they still couldn't run the football very effectively. No, on not Sunday. at all. And typically, when you have the lead, you're able to run the ball a bit more. They threw the ball 52 times, and they that's were, what helps you close these games out. Right. I mean, they only they ran for 114 yards, which is you know, 55 of it's Jameis. 55 is Jameis, including you know. Uh, what the running backs yeah, do? Yeah, the running backs. Peyton Barber, 11 carries, 30 yards. Yeah, that's Ronald not good. Jones, 6 carries, 13 yards. Not good. So Jacquez Rogers, 3 carries, 8 yards. And then Deshaun Jackson had a couple of carries for 8 yards. So, yeah, um, yeah they're going to uh, they're gonna have to start running the ball a bit better, cut down on the turnovers. And then 
I don't know what you do about the defense, Rick, because they're getting beat up. They're losing guys left and right. Yeah, well, they got a week to figure it out, but uh, the Bucks win. They're 3-3, three and three, and it's on to Cincinnati, as uh, Bill Belichick <laughs> would say. Thanks a lot, Tommy. We'll talk to you uh, later this week, maybe, and see you. Uh, well, you're not going to be, be in Cincinnati. I'm off to cover the Tampa what Bay What the hell? I know. I'm What's off going to cover on? the Lightning for three days. We have our new beat writer just started, yeah. Diana Neros. Uh, she just uh, got into town, so we're not going to. We're not going to send her on. We'll let her unpack uh, first. We'll let her unpack, and I'll 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 take one for the team by going to Denver, Las Vegas. Yeah. And, uh, and oh. Arizona, yeah, I was like, yeah, I know it's a rough. Business. Oh. So I'll be, uh, but maybe I'll check in with you from Vegas. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, if we can find you. Where's Doug? <laughs> <laughs> Doug's missing. He's on the roof. My thanks to Tom Jones and some really sad news we'll be checking on today: the status of Quan Alexander, who tore that ACL. Everyone confirming. He is out for the season. He will have an MRI this morning, nonetheless, and a tough break for a guy that's going to be a free agent and a big part of this defense as well. So I'll be at One Buck Place to talk to Dirk Cutter. Check us out on TampaBay.com. As always, we're here Monday through Friday. The Lightning have a busy week. They begin a West Coast road trip on Tuesday. Uh, Tom Jones mentioned that he'll be out there. Or he'll be leaving Tuesday. I think their first game is on Wednesday. Um, so the Lightning off to a pretty good start as far as their season goes. So lots to talk uh, this week. Matt Baker will be with us, too, to talk college football. Some exciting games, a big upset, of course, of Ohio State by Purdue. Uh, And then uh, all the Florida teams will be back in action. So for Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great Monday, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.